welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynne Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all God's children and all God's creation. And no matter those lower qualities of negativity, injustice, and darkness that we face in this country and the world, let us never forget that we are all children of the Most High God. So whatever negativity, injustice, and darkness imposed upon any of us, we all have the love, light, and power of our mighty I Am Presence to overcome. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life, and y'all be loved. We will continue our description of life on Venus, as a fitting prelude to our well-earned privilege of serving in our present capacity, not technically designated as teachers but more in the role of elder brothers, guiding, encouraging and commending any forward step, as our comrades of Earth fall into line with our steady march toward our goal, the acceptance of our beloved Commander-in-Chief, Jesus Christ, as ruler of Sean, planet Earth. Until he mounts his rightful throne of power and glory, and is accepted by mankind in a true spirit of loyalty and devotion, we are bound by our sacred word of honor to serve in any way which will speed that denouement. Let us, then, proceed to our task of enlightening our friends on Sean as to some aspects of our accustomed mode of home life, which has afforded us a maximum of physical delight, my scribe questions that term, but we do enjoy the sensory pleasures which you fear lost, as you make the transition into what you have named the fourth dimension. True, it takes a little preparation to enter into this higher vibrational environment and participate to the fullest extent in the rare privileges which are ours. However, I assure you without equivocation our joy in the satisfying of every desire, since we have learned the secret of desiring only what is for our highest good, goes so far beyond anything you have experienced in your present earth life, that we are at a loss to know how to employ phrases strong enough to make it real to you. When you hear the full, complete harmony of a celestial orchestra or the crystal clear tones of a heart stirring melody sung by one you regard as angelic, when a fragrance of unforgettable sweetness is wafted to you from you know not where, when a mental vision is reflected from some entrancing beauty spot, perhaps on Venus itself, when there surges through your entire being ecstasy which sets your heart aglow with love for every creature, for every growing thing from tiniest blossom to towering monarch of the forest, for every mortal who worships the great creator, when you enjoy the full flavor of a delectable contribution to your daily repast direct from nature's matchless storehouse of edibles, unspoiled by man's tampering processes, have you not had a tantalizing foretaste of the sensory pleasures which many earth people imagine they must forego upon leaving their earth home, which has yielded them all too scanty a portion of genuine pleasure? Yet it is an undeniable fact that we retain, in amplified, intensified forms suited to our more sensitized capacity for enjoyment, all you have found truly pleasurable in your material existence as you call it. We here and are especially susceptible to aromas, though we have none offensive to our sensitive nostrils. 
We have clarity of vision, extending the realms hidden from your eyes, no matter how expert your oculist may be. Our sense of touch is delicately adjusted to objects cast in a more etheric mold than those you encounter, and more easily shattered. In fact, they may be altered or even obliterated by the power of thought alone. I have not touched upon the more spiritual aspects of our lives, which to us are precious beyond all else. Our lives abound in an ever-expanding appreciation of blessings, accruing from a free expression of our highest aspirations. Unto each of thee I address these words of earthly usage, that they may be read and understood by thy conscious thinking processes, limited by previous thought patterns strongly etched on thy brain, which be the physical instrument wherewith thou dost interpret my thoughts in conformity with thy willingness to accept divine truth in its purity of concept. At this culminating period of intense effort on the part of all light forces to enter every smallest opening in mortal minds and hearts with the illuminating power of Christ's love, it be given me, the Christ of God once manifesting in mortal form, to give every human being some glimpse of my glorified being. Until the mass of mankind be brought to a point where they yearn exceedingly to know me, or the spirit of truth which motivates my every word and act, of what avail would be my manifestation in garb of flesh? Would it not be accredited by the majority of mankind to some absurd, theoretical fantasies invented by minds closed to inspired revelation of truth? Lo, ye do contradict thine own selves. One moment you pray for a visible demonstration of the reality of one sent into flesh nigh two thousand years agone, that thus thy faith may be justified. The next moment ye deride and scoff at anyone who tells thee of beings, not from highest heaven but from advanced planets more easily comprehensible to untutored, immature minds, sent of the Father to lead mankind to a partial understanding of the spiritual laws, by which man may progress. My words of truth and life have been discarded by the multitudes as impractical, have been distorted, have been mouthed in vain repetitions until they have well nigh lost their power to reach men's souls, have been relegated to the realm of childish fondness for pleasing tales, oft cast aside as they grow to maturity. Think these be fitting preparations for my manifestation in mortal guise? Oh, my little children of earth, list not to those who prat of vast stores of knowledge to be acquired through years of arduous study of ponderous tomes, designed to confuse thy minds and divert thee from the simple, direct pathway leading to true companionship with thy master in thy daily thinking and living. One truth lift each hour of every day in conscious attunement with thy master and thy heavenly father doth bring me closer to thee, than endless hours of reasoning about this or that theory concerning life and its purpose. To see me with thy physical eyes would be to thee a boon beyond price, and this shall not be denied thee, yet will ye hasten the time of its occurring if ye will but behold me in my spirit manifestation walking by thy side wherever duty calleth thee, revealing unto thee through our close understanding in what wise ye may best fulfill the tasks allotted to thee ere ye embarked upon thy present earth span. Many now reading my written words be here as ambassadors from far-flung vistas of outer space, having volunteered to endure the irritations of fleshly existence that they might in some wise aid in turning men's minds toward a Christly mode of living. Unto these consecrated ones I say, Lo, I shall give unto thee, mayhap in a way ye be not expecting, a true vision of thy master and his boundless love for thee. Wouldst thou choose to see me clothed in radiance of glory so dazzling you could not approach me in thine earthly habiliments? Or may I come unto thee in seamless robe of perfect understanding of thine own earthly circumstances and problems? Choose thee the latter, I pray thee, and in due season thy faithful service, performed in my name and by my power, shall lead thee to the hour appointed by our Heavenly Father, when thou shalt see thy master face to face. In Days to Come, by Ashtar, Ethel P. Hill, 1957
Bell, Volume 2, Chapter 1. The fierce polemics and single-handed battles between Irenaeus and the Gnostics are too well-known to need repetition. They were carried on for over two centuries after the unscrupulous Bishop of Lyons had uttered his last religious paradox. Celsus, the Neoplatonist and a disciple of the school of Ammonius Saccas, had thrown the Christians into perturbation, and even had arrested for a time the progress of proselytism, by successfully proving that the original and purer forms of the most important dogmas of Christianity were to be found only in the teachings of Plato. Celsus accused them of accepting the worst superstitions of paganism, and of interpolating passages from the books of the Sibyls, without rightly understanding their meaning. The accusations were so plausible, and the facts so patent, that for a long time no Christian writer had ventured to answer the challenge. Origen, at the fervent request of his friend, Ambrosius, was the first to take the defense in hand, for, having belonged to the same Platonic school of Ammonius, he was considered the most competent man to refute the well-founded charges. But his eloquence failed, and the only remedy that could be found was to destroy the writings of Celsus themselves. This could be achieved only in the 5th century, when copies had been taken from this work, and many were those who had read and studied them. If no copy of it has descended to our present generation of scientists, it is not because there is none extant at present, but for the simple reason that the monks of a certain oriental church on Mount Athos will neither show nor confess they have one in their possession. Perhaps they do not even know themselves the value of the contents of their manuscripts, on account of their great ignorance. The dispersion of the eclectic school has become the fondest hope of the Christians. It had been looked for and contemplated with intense anxiety. It was finally achieved. The members were scattered by the hand of the monsters Theophilus, Bishop of Alexandria, and his nephew Cyril, the murderer of the young, the learned, and the innocent Hypatia. With the death of the martyred daughter of Theon, the mathematician, there remained no possibility for the Neoplatonists to continue their school at Alexandria. During the lifetime of the youthful Hypatia her friendship and influence with Orestes, the governor of the city, had assured the philosopher's security and protection against their murderous enemies. With her death they had lost their strongest friend. How much she was revered by all who knew her for her erudition, noble virtues and character, we can infer from the letters addressed to her by Synesius, Bishop of Ptolemaeus, fragments of which have reached us. My heart yearns for the presence of your divine spirit, he wrote in 413 AD, which more than anything else could alleviate the bitterness of my fortunes. At another time he says, Oh, my mother, my sister, my teacher, my benefactor. My soul is very sad. The recollection of my children I have lost is killing me. When I have news of you and learn, as I hope, that you are more fortunate than myself, I am at least only half unhappy. What would have been the feelings of this most noble and worthy of Christian bishops, who had surrendered family and children and happiness for the faith into which he had been attracted, had a prophetic vision disclosed to him that the only friend that had been left to him, his mother, sister, benefactor, would soon become an unrecognizable mass of flesh and blood, pounded to jelly under the blows of the club of Peter the Reader, that her youthful, innocent body would be cut to pieces, the flesh scraped from the bones, by oyster shells and the rest of her cast into the fire by order of the same Bishop Cyril he knew so well, Cyril, the canonized saint. H.P. Blavatsky There has never been a religion in the annals of the world with such a bloody record as Christianity. All the rest, including the traditional fierce fights of the chosen people with their next of kin, the idolatrous tribes of Israel, 
pale before the murderous fanaticism of the alleged followers of Christ. Even the rapid spread of Mohammedanism before the conquering sword of the Islam prophet, is a direct consequence of the bloody riots and fights among Christians. It was the intestine war between the Nestorians and Cyrillians that engendered Islamism, and it is in the convent of Basra that the prolific seed was first sown by Bahira, the Nestorian monk. Freely watered by rivers of blood, the tree of Mecca has grown till we find it in the present century overshadowing nearly 200 millions of people. The recent Bulgarian atrocities are but the natural outgrowth of the triumph of Cyril and the Marionators. The cruel, crafty politician, the plotting monk, glorified by ecclesiastical history with the aureole of a martyred saint. The despoiled philosophers, the Neoplatonists, and the Gnostics, daily anathematized by the Church all over the world for long and dreary centuries. The curse of the unconcerned deity hourly invoked on the Magian rites and theurgic practice, and the Christian clergy themselves using sorcery for ages. Hypatia, the glorious maiden philosopher, torn to pieces by the Christian mob. And such as Catherine de Medicis, Lucrezia Borgia, Joanna of Naples, and the Isabellas of Spain, presented to the world as the faithful daughters of the Church, some even decorated by the Pope with the Order of the Immaculate Rose, the highest emblem of womanly purity and virtue, a symbol sacred to the Virgin Mother of God. Such are the examples of human justice. How far less blasphemous appears a total rejection of Mary as an immaculate goddess, than an idolatrous worship of her, accompanied by such practices. In the next chapter we will present a few illustrations of sorcery, as practiced under the patronage of the Roman Church. H.P. Blavatsky The I Am Discourses, Volume 15 Some time every day, rise up into the divine dignity that is yours, the divine authority of your beloved I Am Presence, and you decide, and you take your stand that you, your beloved I Am Presence and the Ascended Host, decide, demand and command, that everything in your being and world must now never be touched by human discord again. And the more dynamic you get on that, the quicker we can manifest it into your outer physical affairs. So it all depends upon you, how soon you want to be free. Applause. Thank you so much. Now when anything disturbs you in the outer world, just turn away from it. Don't fight it. Turn away from it. Go back to your presence and the great central sun. Demand whatever cosmic concentration of the violet consuming flames victory of sacred fire love compels the prevention of all wrong from touching you or your world or your loved ones, or anything you care to accomplish. It won't take but a very short time for you to form this habit, and it will bring you the greatest joy and sense of freedom you have ever known. And I hope you experiment with it over the next two or three weeks, so we can bring you an amazing gift. Applause. Thank you so much precious ones. Won't you be seated, please, and just remain so. I hope we may have the privilege, not too far hence, of amazing you with some miracles and victories, which the angels of victory from Venus produce in this world which are part of the divine plan's fulfillment which they bring from Venus, and which will bring such happiness as you will not know until you begin to see the manifestations for which you call, come into your beings and worlds, and give you the blessings which they are. We have blessings precious ones. We have all the miracles of perfection for eternity. Venus knows no discord. Isn't that wonderful to think there's some place in the universe? Applause. Thank you so much. 
I want so much to free you all from the struggle, the discord, the problems, the daily strain, which was never God created, never intended, was never the part of the divine plan. Beloved Mighty Victory So now I have your welfare at heart. I want you to be our family of happiness, and I want to show you the miracles from Venus that must be built into this world. And that's why I'm here drawing you on by giving you a little insight into that which we want to bring into this physical world permanently. The angels of victory from Venus are the bearers of that perfection. They are my family that will bring you my way of life. They are my family of love supreme, and they are so willing to associate with you. Isn't that wonderful? Applause. Thank you so much. They are so willing to give you what they have. This world needs it so much but it must be purified and cleansed first, and the way provided for these blessings to come and be built into this world as an eternal part of life's great love and perfection to all who pass this way, and that shall ever illumine everything that comes into physical embodiment. So blessed ones, when you begin to demand the cosmic illumination of the angels of victory from Venus, you shall have illumination. The world shall have illumination. And I assure you, in that illumination will be very great joy, because into it, the shadows of human creation can never approach. So we offer you our world of security, our realm of freedom, our miracles and victory of the love that has so long maintained perfection on Venus. And now it must come into this world and make this world, too, a son of the love of the sacred fire and its almighty blessing to life, so life that comes here knows no distress, but moves forward into the fulfillment of the divine plan of the ascension. I shall await with very great joy your call for this to come into the physical octave where you abide, and then we can expand that to help the rest of mankind awaken as soon as possible, for all must awaken to the love from Venus that wants to bring here the divine plan's fulfillment, our realm of life, our invincible heaven on earth, and close the door of memory, of feeling, of experience to all that is not the love and the victory of our perfection in the future. So blessed ones, you have a marvelous vista ahead of you of all the perfection life has planned for you here. And if you care to call this into outer action, you will give us the opportunity to bring at least in and around you as quickly as possible, those blessings that are to become eternal to this earth. I commend you to the love in the hearts of the angels of victory from Venus. And may your association with them ever bring you the mightiest joy of all eternity. Thank you with all my heart. Beloved Mighty Victory. Mm -hmm.